Welcome back, Daniel Linhart. How are hey, you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm. I'm. Um, I'm I feel well. like it's been an eon. It's about every it's two weeks. Recorded. Yeah. Yeah. A fortnight, if you will. You know, we should recognize him because he's here. Um, there is another person with us today. If you were watching the video, you already knew that. But if you're not, we're going to introduce him. So we and I bet walk- you he knows the actual definition of a fortnight. Yeah, for sure he does. I wasn't going to say something, but you said a fortnight, if you will. But if you, I mean, it is a fortnight is by definition is 14 days. That's like saying I've got 12 or a dozen, if you will. It's like, well, you will, because that's a definition of the word. <laughs> that's Hi there, perfect, I'm Justin, and I'm perfect. really fun to be around. <laughs> <laughs> perfect segue introdu- introducing you to Justin um, Mertes. Justin, you've um, been with us for two years? Going on two years, yeah. Going on two years, yeah. So Justin start out, started out at Crema as a product manager, working with our teams and with our clients um, for running our, you know, several of our projects, and then pivoted into um, really helping us bring a new service to Crema called a Design Sprint, some things that you may have heard of, uh, where he helps facilitate workshops with our clients, helps them to get unstuck and move ideas forward. Mm-hmm. And more recently um, has helped us to explore moving into what coaching will be here at Crema. Mm-hmm. Um, so Justin, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you uh, jumping on to Option 5 Podcast with Dan and I. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Big fan. Big first fan. time listener, long time listener, first time uh, attendee. You got it wrong. You said first time listener. So <laughs> we know that you don't actually listen to your own. I'm uh, sure that's probably more accurate. <laughs> with a lot of the people. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> let's let's jump into it. So first off, yeah. tell me a little bit, Justin, about um, what is what is a coach at Crema? Where what are where are we focused right now with what coaching is at at Crema? Maybe you can introduce that for us. Yeah. So at at a very basic fundamental level, a coach, as as I think about it, is a is a third party teammate. Um, someone who is invited from the outside to come in to uh, provide unique perspectives, insights, and applications, and to equip your team, organization, uh, pursuits, whatever those are, to become more than they could be if they were pursued uh, individually. So um, give me an example. I know you've been using some design sprint principles, and then, of course, we've been working on the CRIMRA framework, which anybody who's been listening to this podcast has heard a little bit about our framework. Um, tell us how, um, you know, how are you walking people through becoming unstuck or moving their teams forward? Yeah. So in, in regards to becoming unstuck and moving forward specifically, um, we, we always look at two things. One, what is the current state of where things are? And then immediately after we go to step three, which is where do you want to go? What are the goals you have? What are the things you want to achieve? Uh, and then f- knowing the one and the three, then we can fill in what that two is in the middle. Uh, the second step is then now let's construct something that specifically fits the constraints of where you currently are, but helps you achieve the results of where you want to go. Um, and that, that, that's a pretty vague description, uh, A plus B oh, equals good. C. Um, but that's, that's the general framework of application of workshops and design sprints. Uh, and with that, we, we have several... Um, processes that are um, more prescriptive that we adapt to fit those specific needs. Why, why do we use the terminology coach, 
Justin. So um, there's consultants, there's advisors, mentors. What what is a coach, and why did we use that that terminology? Uh, that's a great term. Or that that's a great question. I know it's a great um, term. That's why I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some of that question back on y'all. Uh, we we were originally looking at the term consultant, um, but the word coach really encapsulated the trainingness of this. Um, it, it really communicated the um, the value that is provided and the services that are provided. In that a coach comes alongside you, uh, a coach is someone that has played the game themselves, uh, mm-hmm. and they have insights into how the game should be played. Um, and so I, I think that a lot of what a coach does is they take the application of what they've experienced firsthand, secondhand, and then now they can apply it uniquely. Uh, and, and I also think that when people hear the word coach, they understand what we are and what we aren't. Um, that a coach is someone who is going to be an active part of their team. Uh, it's really going to be a very much a partnership, whereas a consultant might be someone that might come in, do something and leave. Um, and, and I, that's, that's speaking generally. I know there are people that are consultants that are long-term consultants that have this partnership that we're describing, but the term coach really uh, communicates that partnership, that long-term pushing from experience. Mm -hmm. It almost, so when you think of like a sports coach, I like how you said that they've played the game before they've been around it long enough to where they're not just giving you advice based off something they've heard of or read, though that is important, but it's based off experience. It's based off what they've actually done. And so when you are, when you're a coach, there's this aspect of, I'm going to show you all that I know. I'm going to train you on what I know. But then when we get to game time, it's really up to the players. I mean, Mm -hmm. the coach is taking a little bit of part in that, but for Mm -hmm. the most part, it's up to the players to execute. And so it behooves the coach to practice well, to create scenarios and environments where there's so much value added during that, you know, practice time, whatever that may look like. Um, right. Yeah. I, an example might be when I think of, so I, before the world fell apart, I swam often. Um, and when I think of Michael Phelps, uh, one anecdote that I like is that his coach at one point during practice stepped on his goggles and he had to compete in his events during practice with broken goggles which is obviously not ideal when you're a swimmer. You have like mm, two pieces of equipment, the, the swimsuit and the goggles, I guess the cap <clears> and, the, and the nose pinch as well. But um, I don't know if a consultant would have done that. Mm. I think a consultant might've only looked at the data and said, here's the way that you can improve. Whereas a coach said, I, I know the trials that you're going through and I know your weaknesses uh, and I know where you can shine. And so I'm going to push into those. I'm going to make things more difficult for you. Uh, and, Part of one of my favorite things about that story is that uh, I forget which Olympics it was, but there was an event, maybe it was the 200 fly where Michael Phelps's uh, goggles were letting in some water. And so in that preparation, the coach did uh, in breaking his goggles, there was already this feeling of my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities have been exposed. And that helps me compete at the level I need to compete and win under any circumstances. Uh, and we don't know the name. I don't know the name of the coach. I know Michael Phelps. And that's kind of the point that you're getting at there, man. Mm. Really yeah, that's that's a great that's a great analogy. I think one of the things that kind of started us down this path of thinking about coaching at Crema, it really coincided as we were been exploring this framework um, of really taking a, a look back and asking, okay, what what has made Crema Crema, right? Mm-hmm. 
what's made us work the way that we ha- we do. Um, we kind of, <clears throat> after looking around, kind of said, oh, you know, I think it boils down to these three things, structures, disciplines, and postures. And um, how does that uh, start to apply to becoming an adaptive, you know, cross-discipline team or adaptive product team? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you when you start thinking about what are some of the Let's start with what are some of the postures that you think are important when you're either going in as a coach or important that you're trying to encourage a team to move towards um, having a certain posture that helps them to flourish or helps them to work better together. I'm going to keep going with the sports metaphor. Um, Man, you guys would, because you know, I don't know sports. So thanks. I appreciate that. Just I'll pretend Dan's Dan's dancing. Uh, I'm just going to, Try to keep up. Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. ready. I'll keep it vague. Almost any sports movie has, and and, you know, the the general narrative of the most cliche sports movie is team is struggling, outside coach gets brought in, or new coach gets brought in, team wrestles with the coach, the coach learns empathy, and the team learns empathy, and they see each other's strengths, and then they win the championship. That's kind of like the, that's kind of the general thing. Um, But one of the things that is almost always revealed is how stubborn a team is or Mm. how open to change and learning a team is. Mm. Um, I was talking to someone today that works in another agency and um, he is in a really interesting technology space. And so because of that, the clients that come to him only come to him if they want to change. Um, And so it's really great because if a client comes to him and says, hey, we want to experiment with this new technology, he knows that that is a self-selected client that is humble enough to admit that they need something new, that is mm. curious about new possibilities, that their team is willing to, to pivot as needed. And so all of those kind of natural postures are evidence there. Um, but that's not the case with every industry and that's not the case mm-hmm. with every team. And so I, I give those two examples to say that one of the big things we look for is, are you someone that is willing to utilize a coach in the first place? Mm. Uh, do you have the underlying mindset of, I know everything or I have something else to learn. And I don't think that we, we wake up saying I know everything. I don't, most people probably don't do that. Some do. Um, But when we look in the mirror, I think if we were to watch ourselves um, as we responded to things every day, how often do we say, you know what, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought of things that way. I mean, even I think of in my own life, when Sarah says something about, a couple of weeks ago, I realized that my dish, it took me a long time to do my dishes. Uh, and she, and she said like, well, I think if you did it this way, that, you know, that would probably be faster. I do it faster and that's how it works for me. And it's funny that I, I talk about the, the values of a team that's adaptive and the teams that are humble enough to admit they're wrong, et cetera. But in that moment, my first thought was, no, you're wrong. My way is just fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. naturally expressed a lot of ways in, um, in teams. All that to say, I can go on for a while, but I think one of the most fundamental things is do you have a learning mindset or a fixed mindset? Because a learning mindset will enable other postures to grow and develop, other postures to be nurtured, some unhealthy postures to be put aside. But if you have a fixed mindset, then that's, that is uh, kind of the foundational problem that we would need to focus on. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you? So if you think about at Crema, <clears throat> I mean, you've changed roles. You've, you've learned a lot over the last couple of years. What is, what is it taken to, to foster that mindset for yourself um, or that posture for yourself at a place like Crema? Or I guess maybe not, this is not, I'm not trying to fish for something. I'll just say it now. 
Okay. But it, but if you say it wrong, we'll have words after. Um, yeah, no, I'm just naturally. kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, you kidding. know what? <laughs> what? How do you um, how do you think about you know fostering a posture that helps you to do that? Um, you obviously you're trying to help clients do that, but when you think of within the work environment, uh, what are you doing, or what do you see the team at Crema doing? that is fostering that ability to, to always have a learning mindset, to have that, that empathy and that humility to, to move forward. Yeah. So when I think through even the, the packet, once I, once I accepted this position at CRIMA and I got a, I got the email and the PDF of, Hey, here's the employee handbook and here's the tools we use. I remember being overwhelmed with the amount of SAS tools we use. Mm-hmm. Um, like we are a company that runs on what felt like at that time, like a hundred different programs. Yeah. And, and I would even probably pretty close to that. (laughs) Uh, and, and even me saying programs dates my, uh, my feelings or my my previous state programs. (laughs) Can can Um, you commit to the program? (laughs) But I was overwhelmed with Crema uses a lot of tools and pretty quickly I realized that to work at Crema and to be a functioning member of Crema means being, uh, not, uh, not flexible, um, adaptive. Um, there's a word I'm looking for, but I can't remember the word. Um, but I need, I need to be open to other people telling me that there's a better way to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not that that was forced upon from Grimma, but rather Grimma is a place where it's like, we're going to be trying new things all the time and we're going to find out what's best so that we can thrive. And so from that, I quickly had to learn humility to say that the previous way that I worked in different companies in different industries, is not necessarily the best way for me to work now. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, that was taking humility. Um, practically, in my one-on-ones, um, as I'm being told, hey, Justin, I think you can grow in this way. I challenge you to let, let's try this. What if you read this? Let's try these things together. Um, I think it's easy to slip into selfishness mm-hmm. uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to empathy. And, and I, think, I, I think, I mean, anyone that's had kids knows that human beings are, are selfish out of the womb. <laughs> um, we're not just reliant on people, but we, we like things our way, uh, and we throw fits if we don't have that. Uh, but what in a professional context, if I, if I, if I slam the door and I say, no, no, my way is enough. That is saying one, that I'm better than you. And two, that what you're doing is to hurt me, not to help me. Mm-hmm. And so personally, I have had to learn a new set of empathy for my coworkers, for my leadership, um, to say the things you're doing the way you're leading, the, the tools you're suggesting, these are really for my benefit. And I'm not saying that every day at Crema I have to wake up and be like, okay, they don't hate me. That's not at all <laughs> it. But rather what I'm saying is if down the nth degree to have a lack of empathy means to assume the worst about others. Yeah. And an abundance of empathy means to assume the best about others. And so me, me learning to assume the best out of every one of my coworkers has helped me collaborate better. It has helped me be more adaptive. It has helped me become a better professional. It's helped me grow skills that I didn't know that I had or didn't think that was possible for me to have. Um, and then some other things like reading other people's blogs and books regularly, trying to read, trying to read part of a book every day, even though that can be tricky sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's, that is forcing myself to say, other people have things that I don't know. I think that mindset alone transforms an organization and transforms these individual. So what I'm hearing, Justin, I think why humility and empathy are so important as a coach, as we've termed it, is there's something I would say special, close and tight knit about the relationship between a coach and 
you know, okay, their player or their, the professional they're training. Okay. Um, There's something close, tight knit, special that there because a coach is, yes, the coach is trying to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Coaches are looking for, you know, going back, they're looking for um, maybe deficiencies in your mechanics, deficiencies Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the way you throw that ball, shoot that ball, the way, you know, you're swimming that stroke. They're looking to solve a problem. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. A coach is also looking for it. And it's a two-way relationship because they're looking for the trainee to have a level of humility, level of, you know, are they coachable enough to where it's not just now I'm going to solve your problem. I'm going to show you a better way. Right. I'm going to give you tools to train, not only just with me in the room or in the rink or the, on the court, but also on your own so that you can get better. I'm, I'm, I'm just as, if not more concerned about you getting better mm-hmm. and becoming great as I am yeah. to helping you solve a problem. And that requires mm-hmm. empathy on the coach. Um, what I'm hearing from you is empathy on the coach to understand the situation. But on the flip side, it requires a lot of humility on the trainees to say, yes, I'm willing to be coachable. I'm willing for you mm-hmm. to kind of uh, to nitpick and right. that's okay because I'm going to get better versus again, consultant or advisor and advisor, I'm going to give you advice. And then whoever's getting the advice can take it or leave it. That's it. Right. You know, that's as far as the relationship goes, but a coach is really, really invested into the long-term growth and just increases in greatness. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've, that I'm thinking through is, um, oh, there's something you said and I just lost it. So forget it. Let's, uh, let's get more. <laughs> we'll, move, we'll move on. It obviously um, wasn't important. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, so when you think about, you know, going back to the kind of the, the, the structures that we've been talking about, or maybe the framework that we've been talking oh, about. Sorry, talk- George. No, I got okay. it. Sweet. <laughs> um, and scene. Okay. <laughs> Dan, one of the things that I'm thinking through, and, and I, I want to be careful about how the, the language we're using because language carries power. Mm-hmm. And to assume that the only things that matter are um, humility from a trainee, as it were, which I, I, even that word trainee, I think is it can be a negative term. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I feel like one thing that's, that's implying is that the coach is the expert. Mm-hmm. And I want to be careful with that because what's not happening is um, that the coach fixes all the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, that what the coach does, the, the coach equips the leaders of the team to be their best selves by helping examine things that they can't examine by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think about like going to therapy. Um, I remember the first time I went to, to counseling many years ago, um, a lot of what the therapist did was ask fairly obvious questions that forced me to evaluate things in a unique way. Yep. And so the expertise of that therapist was not like, confidently proud chest come in i will fix you but it's Mm -hmm. rather i'm going to approach things with a with a also with a spirit of humility and curiosity and i'm going to ask questions that you might not be willing to ask yourselves or uh that you're a little afraid to ask yourself or i'm going to push into something that you you usually don't have the bandwidth to deal with perhaps or the Mm -hmm. context to think through and i think in that way when i've seen that simple questions changing my life i can point to several um, I think that's also the role of a coach. And so I just want to be, I yeah. want to be careful that, that, that that's the picture we're painting of a coach. It's not the expert, but, mm-hmm. um, someone whose curiosity and whose context can empower you to be your best self. 
I think that's super important, Justin, because even coaches go to coaching clinics all the time, yep. every year. Right. At the end of the season, they are signing up and going to coaching clinics to learn from other experts on new ways to coach certain mechanics. And then they come back right. and they give their teams new things to learn. It's like, where'd you learn that? Well, we went to several coaching clinics clinics over the summer. They're right. constantly doing that. So even coaches are getting coached by those that are more expert in a certain movement um, than they are. And so I think that's important to show that I like the word you said, curiosity. Coaches need to be curious enough to go to those coaching clinics, whatever that may be mm -hmm. in your, your right. sphere of Absolutely. influence, whatever field you're in. If you're a coach or a consultant, consider yourself a coach and you need to be going to clinics. Um, right. And that is a powerful selling point to build trust and build that, yeah. that mutual humility and empathy of like, oh man, that's a new tactic. Where'd you learn that? Well, I went to a clinic or I went to a right. conference right. or I went to whatever experience to right. be better so I can be better for you. Right. I think one of the things that we've experienced when we worked with either a mentor, a consultant or a coach at Crema, because Dan and I seek these out for, for our leadership skills and continue to figure out how to, to grow Crema and do it well. And a couple things that I, I hear you saying underneath the surface though, and we've experienced is um, to some level, you're, you're really giving the person and a counselor, a therapist does this. You're giving the person the ability to see a new perspective mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. maybe they just haven't had the mindset to, to go down that path or let themselves, or maybe there's something blocking themselves from seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the reasons we believe so strongly in cross-discipline teams, right? Because by having a constant, um, basically a uh, balance between the perspectives of multiple people with different skill sets and different um, views of the world, <clears throat> you're going to make different decisions than you would mm -hmm. assuming you, you understand or you can guess at what all the, the conditions are. Um, oh, and yeah. I think the second thing is just by working with a coach, you, you're asking for accountability. Um, and I think that accountability is something we, we way undervalue Mm -hmm. Um, because it's, I'll use the example. I've been doing a speaking, um, coach. So I'm working on, um, writing a speech, which now it's going to be more difficult to get on a stage, but maybe a podcast or whatever, but I've been working with the speaking coach. And again, to what you said with the therapist or the, the counselor, the things they're telling me to do are like, well, yeah, of course, but I'm accountable to go back to them and say, look at the progress I've made. Here is my speech so far. Here is the assignment to unlock this next stage in the process. And by the end of it, I now have this talk that I've mastered and I'm working on and I'm, I'm practicing. And had I not invested into someone asking me a, a just simple set of questions and then being forcing me to be accountable to come back to them and show them progress, um, I don't think I would have done it. I wouldn't have finished. I wouldn't have kept going. Yep. Uh, but there's a certain level of accountability that comes from saying, I choose to say that I need help to continue to get me un unlocked, to move me forward and maybe to see things from a different perspective. And I think that's, it's really powerful. <clears throat> there's a George, you shared on Instagram a couple weeks ago, the boy, the Fox, the mole and the horse. Okay. You don't um, want to get me crying, dude. I'll, I will tear <laughs> up right in front of all these people. <laughs> so I bought that for our family and I, we read through some occasionally, um, but we were reading one the other night with our girls and, uh, there's a point where the boy, if you're not familiar, it's, well, there's a boy, a fox, a mole and a horse. Um, <laughs> but and the boy, there's no story arc. It's just, no, one page. it's just conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's a point where the boy asks the horse, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? 
and the horse responds, help. Right. And, and I think thinking through requesting, there it is, um, <laughs> requesting the help of others as a, as a feat of bravery um, is an empowering thing. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that mental shift, I mean, you, especially when we talk about counseling, it takes a lot of nerve and a lot of uh, humility and a lot of bravery to admit that I, I, I'm at a place where I, I can't make it anymore without someone helping me process through things. <clears throat> and that, that's, a, that's perhaps a more emotive one. But for an athlete to say, I've, I've plateaued and I know that I'm not at my best. I need someone else. That is, that is a feat of bravery, not, not a, a moment of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yes, I, I agree with everything you're saying, George. No, I think that's a, that you're, you're naming it, that that is something that we want to empower people to think that way. And yes, a coach is one way to do it. That's how we're doing it with our clients. But I think that's also what we're trying to foster in amongst our teams as well. So when you go yeah. in and you work with a team as a coach, you're going to be encouraging them to do this with their team, act right. this way on your own side. Right. Um, so we kind of talk about the other two sides of crema. There is the, we'll build your product for you or with you as mm-hmm. your product team, where we'll offer mm-hmm. these cross-discipline teams. We'll work collaboratively with your, um, your product teams in-house and we'll build something together. And then the other side of the business is we'll help your team work better or become better and run and a little bit more like Crema does, honestly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what is that? What we've come down to saying is that is that, that high sense of humility, high confidence that you can do great work, uh, a, a bravery to step in to say, I'm willing to, to seek new things, to learn new things and to grow. Um, and I think that's what I'm so excited about with our coaching mm-hmm. services um, as we're no. growing these right now. One thing I do want to say from an employee perspective, uh, I'm not a part of CRIMA's leadership team. There are few things about CRIMA that bring me greater pride than knowing that George, Dan, Matt, and leadership team are intentionally investing in other people making them better. From, from my perspective, that's something that Sarah and I have talked about. What is, what is one of our favorite things about CRIMA? It's that you guys have said, we don't know everything, we want others. Mm. That, that alone, that empowers and gives great uh, energy and excitement. I look forward to the, the summits when y'all come back and you talk about, here's the work that we've done. Um, that's an empowering thing. And so for, for, any, for anyone that's listening and has any semblance of either I will feel weak or what will my employees think? What will my teams think? I want to, to, to encourage you that these types of things are, are hugely motivating for your team to know that things are about to get even better than they are. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> I want to kind of round it out. So we talked a little bit about um, some of the disciplines that leads toward um, mm-hmm. you being having a mind, learning mindset, whether it's reading or um, you know, seeking perspective of others, talking to a lot of other agencies, talking to mm-hmm. other people that are in this space, <clears throat> um, which I know you seek out really, really well. So that's, that covers kind of our postures and our disciplines. Talk to me about what do you think are some things that would define the structure either of crema or of coaching or what we're looking for other people to define that are those things that are written down, those things that are a bit more confident, those things that are, um, we want to create some constraints and some guidelines towards the way that we view um, this type of work. Um, What are some things that you've seen that you go, you know what? I'm glad that we've made this statement. I'm glad that we've taken a stand here. Um, What's Mm. something structural 
that you can think of. And structures, by the way, I think are some of the hardest things to define. Um, yeah. It's a lot easier to talk about your adaptive disciplines and uh, postures. It's a lot harder to, to name. Here are the, here is the, thing, this, the flags we put in the ground um, and our structures we're standing on. What, what would you think that those structures that we are standing on to be great at coaching, to be great at product teams at Crema or with our clients? Yeah, that's a, I, I'm still wrestling through the difference between structures and disciplines, candidly. Yeah. Yep, um, that's good. That's good feedback. And as I'm thinking through the structures, when I, when I think of the structures, I'm thinking, what are the things that are untouchable? Um, the non-negotiables. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I think at, at Crema, we have a very high priority on those non-negotiables and those non-negotiables are manifested in so many things that that's why it's hard to separate them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and that should and be so, the case really. Right. Right. It's in, in the same way that um, you walk into a house and you experience the house, you may not know the foundational plan that was laid out. You may not know where every beam is, but you're so familiar. The structures have provided, the structures have done their part in that, you are enjoying the benefits of them. Yeah. Not yeah. the You don't have to think themselves. Of, you don't really have to think about it. It's like, okay, I've got a foundation. Now yep. I can I can move forward with other things. Right. Um, so when I think about those things at Crema, um, some of the things that I think through are transparency, um, structures of intentionally setting aside times for teams to both from a leadership perspective yearly to discuss all kinds of things with the team, but also for teams to intentionally set aside times daily and bi-weekly to discuss, um, to have retrospectives, et cetera. But again, those are, those are disciplines that are, that are in place. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think through the distinction still. So <clears throat> what I might lean into, and one of the things I've been thinking about this, this is an open conversation because so, yeah. so it's clear, our, our listeners know that we're still fleshing out um, these three pillars and trying to make sure that we're articulating. And so I kind of like the fact that it's not like, oh, I know exactly what they are. It gives us a chance to talk. The, the way that I think about it, both for Crema and I think for a lot of teams, and what I want to make sure that they've done is the hard work of clearly identifying where they're going. So do you have a strong right. vision and purpose statement or directional statement that you can point everybody in the right, the same direction, right? And then do you, have you, I think there's this idea of like working agreements. We don't really do mm -hmm. exactly working agreements or at least setting an expectation for what people are accountable to or what account, accountable for. Hey, this is what you need to be able to do. And maybe this is even how many hours I expect you to be working on it or whatever that is those things give people a structure to work within. So now they can get super creative within those constraints. Um, so mm -hmm. you doing a design sprint, you'll go the first two days, I've got a very structured set of things we're going to go through. Right. That can flex, they can change if we need to, but they're pretty well defined because by giving us this constraint, we're going to get to this outcome because I've, I, mm -hmm. we've, we've said this is a, um, the, the guidelines that we're living by. Um, right. So I think that a lot of our other things that we focus in on is our values, right? Our, right. Yep. Our, mission, our mission, our vision, our purpose statement. Um, and I remember, again, when I, when I started at Crema, it was abundantly clear, here is what a Crema employee is like, mm -hmm. um, both, in, both in ways of uh, encouraging flourishing and in ways of serious accountability. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I, I remember my first conversation with Laura, my first day at Crema, it, it, uh, the values weren't just something that was like, oh, I read it in the handbook and I signed that thing. But Laura, like everything we did, she was like, and in spirit of this value, this is why we do this. In spirit of this, this is why we do this. And even, even the, the onboarding process was so clearly laced with values that I knew like Krim is really not kidding around. These values are not just things that the leadership is like, these things sound good and other companies did them, but rather it's like, these are the, these are the tent poles that we're staking. If, if, if a client steers outside of these or if an employee steers out of these, uh, then we're going to address some things. And we believe that true flourishing happens within these guidelines. Yeah. 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 Think it, it's, I think of it in the way that these are the non-negotiables. It's the foundation on which we stand. Mm-hmm. And everything else, the disciplines and the postures are expressions of those, those non-negotiables. So we express, we have five values and we express them in much, in a lot of different ways. So one of our values is trust. Well, uh, we develop trust with our clients. We develop trust with our vendors. We develop trust between each other and the way we do that looks differently and that's okay. And we have different disciplines to develop that value, but that structure, you don't want to go outside the, that boundary um, in our company you know, because that would be breaking trust. And that's just, that's non-negotiable, right? Non-negotiable to go outside that boundary. And when structures break is when either something went wrong or, mm-hmm. or when you had to make a hard decision and you have to figure out how to let that break be something that actually grows back as stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, we just went through a massive, a massive structural change by a pandemic moving us out of the office. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it changed the way that we worked. Now, we were prepared for it because we've been doing some remote work, mm-hmm. but it changed the dynamic of the way that Crema you know, flourished between the energy of the space, right? Mm-hmm. And that hurt for a while. And not that it doesn't still hurt, but we've, right. we've mended back and had to learn new disciplines to become a stronger organization with this new way of working, within this new structure. Yeah. I would say that um, it, it changed the context, but it did not change the substance. That, or, yeah, uh, that's good. It's yeah. like the it's like removing a, a non-weight bearing wall and a weight bearing wall. Yeah. yeah. Both structures, if you look at it, it's like they're the exact same, but really they're not. One's a little bit more important. One's a little, li- literally more structural yep. <laughs> to the right. foundations of the house. You don't want to touch that wall. That, mm-hmm. that yeah. causes things to crumble. You can remove that wall. It's going right. to hurt a little bit. You got to demo it. It's messy. Right. You know, you got to clean things up, but you can move it or you can leave it open and have a nice wide open room now. That people get to enjoy. <laughs> it's an open, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's an open floor. What all the cool kids are doing these days. Um, <laughs> so, so Justin, I think what I'm really excited about is we think about helping others become more adaptive, become um, helping their individuals and organizations to thrive is how can we think, help them to think through having these empathetic, these transparent postures how do they build disciplines that help them to do retrospectives, how to look back, how to assess the effectiveness of their work um, and have a, an attitude going back to posture, going, having that attitude that says, I'm willing to learn, right? I'm going to hold things loosely. And then, and then making sure that they've clearly defined and shared their structures with their team. Because mm-hmm. um, one thing that I think we're learning as we're having conversations with people about this idea is people will go, yeah, I think my company or my team might have that structure but I don't really know. And so I just make assumptions based off of what I think the structure is. Right. And then people get frustrated because we all have this different idea of what's load bearing and what's not. Mm. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. No one, no one see the floor plan and no one's seen where the actual, uh, 
load bearing walls are. Yeah. Hmm, or where the electricity is, man, I hate it when I cut into a wall and I'm just not confident if there's a wire in that wall, you know, yep. that's a whole different topic. Upgrade, upgrade your stud finder. Get one that can also find <laughs> electrical <laughs> wiring and conduits. No, I think to that end that one of the roles of a coach is critically examining defaults and equipping a team to critically examine their own defaults. Yeah. And again, that's, that's where, <clears throat> you know, it, it's easy to say like, um, well, I'd like to lose weight. I'd like to have this result. And it's like, okay, great. I'm going to do the things that that takes. But if someone were to say to me, Hey, Justin, would you mind down? Would you mind writing down everything that you've eaten in the last week? And then tell me how it accomplished that goal. That's a very right. different question because that right. goes from an ethereal aspirational. I hope this ends up happening. And then moves the conversation to what am I doing proactively to ensure that we are moving in the direction of this becoming a reality. Right. Those are, those are two wildly different things. And, and I think it's very easy to assume that our structures, our postures, and our disciplines are going to get us where we want to go. Um, mm. But sometimes those things are, are poorly manifested. That's right. Sometimes those things are assumed, uh, but not communicated. Mm-hmm. Other times they're, they're unknown. Uh, and, and so honestly, it's like, well, to be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's where, that's where we talk about right, coming back to right at the beginning, a coach is someone that let's talk about where you are now and let's talk about where you want to go. I think there are times where we have to do demo, where we have to renovate the space, where we have to say, it seems like your three values that are, that are most important to you aren't going to get you. If, you. if you play this trajectory out, it's not going to end up at the point you want it to end up at. Mm-hmm. So let's reconsider and let's reshape these so that these things can follow in part. This is why when you show up to a coaching session, you bring a sledgehammer and just to make a point, you just like throw it through a wall in our client spaces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you're yeah. like, this, this is what I'm saying people. And then you just, yeah, you, I've always you, found it to be effective during a zoom call. I hire a contractor to, uh, to have a one big wrecking ball smack and yeah. right at the same time I say nothing is sacred and then boom, their window breaks. Yeah. Um, we also like to have fun. Um, okay. So, so wrapping up, what is something that you're, um, you're excited about moving forward with um, coaching, with design sprints, with the, the future of um, this consultative work that we're doing at Crema and this kind of um, ability to help other people's, other people's, other people's individuals. Um, and I'm having a hard time talking today. I'm not going to lie. This is another yeah, meeting. My last sure, meeting was I'm not sure if that was a mistake. Was that supposed to be a joke? I don't really know. <laughs> Now uh, I'm all sorts of confused. No, who, who is he? No, what are you excited about as far as us moving forward with coaching um, at Crema and where it's going from here? Uh, particularly right now, I am very excited about the fact that COVID-19 has shattered so many defaults of so many organizations. Mm. I don't think that that's a fun thing. I don't right. think that that's a, it's a, it's a nice thing, but I do think it's a good thing um, because that forces you to scramble your way into a learning mindset. Mm-hmm. It forces you to say, well, I guess we have to do something different. And that sentence that even, even just an inkling of doubt of what if we can't do the way that we thought we could even that, that is, a, that is a, a, an ember that can be fanned into a flame of let's try things differently. 
Uh, I also think that COVID-19 has lowered the barrier of entry for these types of things in that no longer, at least for the foreseeable future, is it that we need to have all shareholders fly in from different locations, fly in this coach, et cetera. But we yeah. can talk about, let's do, let's do a couple of remote sessions. Let's do this thing. And so there's a much lower barrier of entry. Uh, I think people are a little bit more curious and more uh, inclined to seek things out. And I think that the barrier of entry has made larger impact things easier to achieve. It's good. It's really good. Well, thanks, Justin. Um, I know you, Michael, Tyler, the team, the coaching team are working hard to um, help get the word out about what we're working on here. And I appreciate your work on it. It's been cool. I love being a part of that conversation. And I think um, there's a really cool, bright future for, for Crema doing this work. So thank you for being a part of it. Yeah. Thank you for uh, making me a part of it. I'm proud to do it. Cool. Well, thank you everybody for um, listening to another episode of Option 5. If you don't remember what Option 5 stands for, it is that idea of saying yes and figuring it out, right? So this is exactly what we're talking about. We are stepping into something. We are um, saying, yes, we believe we can do that. We have that confidence, but we have the humility to know that we have to have a learning mindset to move forward. So I hope Mm -hmm. that you and your team are, are thinking that way as well. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Option 5 wherever you get your podcasts. That might be on iTunes. And if you do it on iTunes, we would love a review. A little five stars would go a long way. And if you would share it with your mom and maybe your boss, that would be really, really helpful. Um, your whole family. What if, what if the mom is their boss? Well, you know what? Uh, that's probably really difficult. So you probably should share it right now. <laughs> um, and, and you if you to- want to discuss your professional context, please reach out to me. I'm a coach at Crema. We love examining <laughs> Uh, complex familial and uh, organizational (laughs) structures. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, if you haven't already, do check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, Option 5 has its own channel that we've just spun up not too long ago where we're posting all these videos. You actually can see our face. You can see me hold up the, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse cover, which we highly recommend. It's a beautiful, beautiful book by Charlie Mac, Maxie, Mackie, Mackie. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, so thank we you. As always say for, that correct. <laughs> how do you it's kind of got that cursive handwriting? Is it, is there an S in it or is it just Mackie? I think it's Maxie. Oh, you're right. I, it does look like an S. Well, now, now if you're listening, right. you are going to have Char- to, Charlie, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, yeah. Charlie, please free feel the, feel I feel like we're not that many, your name. that many, uh, sphere. Or what is it? Um, levels of, we, we could probably get to him is what I'm saying. Um, and if you're watching us on YouTube, why don't you drop us a comment and tell us the answer to that question? Although we could just Google it, but that's okay. Um, it is. Thank you all for listening. It's Maxie. It's Maxie. 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 Okay. I'll look that up after this. Uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next time on option five. Cheers. My name is Justin Murtis, and I'm a coach at Crema. Coaches are Crema's investment into the process before our product team designs and builds the products and alongside them. Solutions are the answers to our clients' problems. And if that problem is based on an incorrect assumption or a team that's not aligned or some misplaced emphasis on certain processes, that solution, that product will inevitably be flawed. So I facilitate workshops like design sprints and problem framing workshops, creating experiences that help our clients critically examine their assumptions, their teams, their problem space, and ultimately 
we help them do the best work that they can do, be the best version of themselves, the best team they can be, and build the best product. So I enjoy working at Crema because Crema is a whole person focused company. Crema is a unique agency that not only values the work that we do, and we do have a high emphasis on excellence, but on how we do it and who we are as we do it. Crema actually cares about the well being of each employee, which frees us up, which frees me up to deliver the best work of my life and to bring our best selves to our clients, which empowers them to be their best selves and to produce their best product. I regularly hear our clients say that they want to work more like us. So it's a freeing place to work and to experiment, and it is encouraging on a daily level. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.